You are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is a bi-monthly analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, Godzilla returns to his destructive roots as a brand new era begins. It's Godzilla 1984, also known as The Return of Godzilla. James Bond. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Oh, hi. I, my name is everybody. everybody. I'm the guest on today's episode of the Bondzilla Podcast. Yes. Well, I am Nick. And I'm everybody. Yeah, you are everybody. As far as I'm concerned. Everybody knows. I guess I technically am everybody else in this room. Mm. This very legit recording studio. Mm-hmm. Not a apartment well, you and or Link, a bedroom and, at all. Uh, Lego Wally over there. Yeah. Oh, the le- <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? I thought you were trying to embarrass me. No. no you, got, you got Lake Wally over there. Listen, listen, Nick. We're on how many months of this? We're talking about a giant lizard. <laughs> too long. You can't. You t- too long. <laughs> too long. But not long enough. You know what, Napoleon? We also took like a leave. three-month break. Like We didn't take a three-month. Oh, a while ago. A while ago, yeah. That was a while ago. That, that was, was in the past. That's in the past. That, that, you know what? Nick, enough of the past. It's on to the future. Oh, Do you so even introduce the 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 show? It's today? a Bonzilla podcast. They know by now. <laughs> it's a Bonzilla podcast. They know by what now. What are you gonna do about if this it? This is your first episode. Go back and listen to the other episodes. <laughs> We're in a new era of Godzilla here, okay? So you're gonna be way behind on your homework if you're just starting with this one. But if you are just starting with this one, then we welcome you. Stanley said that every issue of a comic book should be as if it's your first issue. Every episode- except. When you get this far into a podcast, I believe that's the part of the translation that was Except lost. When the comic book is Morbius the Living Vampire, because nobody gives a crap. So nobody's reading episode three of Fan Morbius. Fan favorite Morbius the Living Vampire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick, that you, we could talk about movies that we're not looking forward to all day. Mm-hmm. But first, why don't we talk about some movies that we are looking forward to? Yeah. One particular movie. Which I don't know why I'm building it up so much because we already talked about it. Yeah, we talked about it very briefly on the last, <laughs> on our last episode. episode. We, we kind of said we save it for um, this one. The upcoming Godzilla film from Legendary Pictures. Yeah, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Now we talked about this briefly mm-hmm. last last episode. We did, and because it was a Bond episode, we didn't want to focus on it too much. Yeah, uh, other than that, it's we, awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, uh, but I thought we'd talk a little bit more about it. No, I think that, I think that's fair. Because I, if you remember, I think it was earlier this year, I was like, wait, this movie doesn't come out until 2019? Yeah. Uh, which it was initially supposed to come out this year. It was. Um, when Gareth Edwards, who directed the 2014 Legendary Godzilla, he was still on it. And then they removed him. And then, and which is kind of cool because that, because it seems to me it's one of those, like, they brought somebody on and they gave them the time to do it. Which, given what this film looks like to be, mm. looks probably the best decision. Good, good choice. Because good one of the good choice. So, like, this is kind of like a little bit of inside baseball. But there's this thing called uh, pre visualization in films, and it happens a lot with um, 
bigger budget uh, films that require a lot of set pieces and special effects and CGI. And a lot of that stuff they usually develop a little bit earlier on hand. And not to say that the director doesn't have anything to do with it, but normally the director, it's it's very much in line with how a Godzilla movie is made, yeah. almost, where you have <laughs> a effects supervisor or director and you have the director getting the bulk of the movie. But for I took it as having all this extra time uh, really make all these set pieces and all these visuals that look to be in the movie. And the reason I say that is the director... Um, Krampus, dude. <laughs> Krampus, dude. I uh, referred to him at that point, <laughs> one point in the previous part of the podcast. Kr- Krampus? Krampus, I just, man? I just, I just called him Krampus, dude. Krampus, dude. Um, uh, Michael Michael Doherty, I believe you say. How is, is how you say his name? Uh, I'm sure he'll call uh, us and let us know. Oh, man. You have a bit of an attitude today i'm fine (laughs) i was getting on nick off mic before but that's just because i got to keep him on his toes (sighs) um but um michael doherty um the way in which he talked about this movie have you gone back and looked at the hall h panel at Um, all for this movie the full panel not not yet um it's it's a it's a fun interesting panel uh but hearing how he talks about this movie and then seeing like what the visuals of the movies is like his biggest thing is the premise or the thematic premise of the movie Mm -hmm. is how these monsters are essentially the equivalent to gods which is one kind of through line that we've seen in all these legendary kaiju movies with gareth edwards uh referring to him as kind of like a force of nature being godzilla um jordan vote roberts who made kong skull island talks a lot about like how he wanted to make kong a godlike figure and uh doherty talks about in this movie how it's all about the gods reclaiming yeah uh the earth mm-hmm. and that was like the biggest takeaway uh for me uh, about the because and then just talking about the trailer specifically yeah you can definitely see uh what they're going for with this one and complete and utter destruction that's (laughs) what they're going for it is interesting because one of the things i i I have said and not on my because we haven't been able to talk about the movie yet is in the 2014 godzilla one of the things i like a lot is that there is a lot of mayhem and there's a lot of destruction but it doesn't feel uh masturbatory it Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like uh destruction for the sake of destruction like the third act of man of steel for example (laughs) Is there any other things you want to get out of your system? No, I'm, while, just, I'm just giving an example. <laughs> um, okay, like okay, yeah, yeah, but but just yeah, yeah, but that that was always the thing I said about that, and it seems, and it's interesting. It's a very beautiful looking movie. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> and they lots, portray lots of nice blues. Yeah, in the trailer. They portray the tone and the angle of the movie being almost this beauty in destruction mm-hmm. almost, yeah. which I find to be a very fascinating mix yeah. and something that I almost could say you could only do with this material. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely see it. Um, yeah, this is, this is a good, not, this is a great trailer. Just like, it was I, the best thing to come out but of it was the weekend. The best yeah. thing, but just from on its own, it's just like the tone of it. Um, you know, the Claire de Lune song mm-hmm. and just the powerful imagery. And it, it's very interesting 
having done this podcast now that I can be especially for you. Yeah, yeah. Excited. Like I have never been happier to see Larva Mothra in my <laughs> life because usually Larva Mothra, like I can give her, you know, I can give her take. It's yeah, like Moth Mothra, but like just seeing like that they're going to that angle, mm-hmm. you know, and um, just like the presence of of treating Ghidorah as this this thing to be feared, and you know, the, the the restraint in the trailer, you know, just its shadow, and you kind of see the lightning and yeah, and it, stuff it, like that. It's it's and, kind but, of but, restraint, but you know exactly, yeah, yeah. And I mean, and there's little Easter eggs, like we don't know because we haven't seen the movie, but it looks like you know uh, Rodan coming out of the volcano, which mm-hmm. we've talked about. There's a big uh, history. that's history between that. Um, some other, I mean, the shot of King Ghidorah at, at yeah. the end uh, is Even, one. You know, the, the classic shot that you know, like you know, we've seen in in photos already of you know Godzilla giving his atomic breath in the air, and then you know the Mothra kind of moth form kind of coming out. Yeah. Of that and oh, that was awesome. That stuff like that. And well, especially because they seem to really be playing up like, oh, Mothra is very in like it looks magical. There's a shot like if you watch right at the end of the trailer, there's a big like kind of glowing in the sky, and if you look closely at it, it's most likely Mothra. Mothra. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, that's gonna be just, really cool. And what's really, I'm I'm definitely they really sold me too on you know, and I'm we'll get to it when we get to 2014 Godzilla. But I actually like the human plot line in 2014. Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I I do think some of the stuff they're teasing or hinting at or setting up within the trailer. Yeah, yeah, is very very interesting. It's a good cast too. It's of, a great cast of people. Um, I like every single person who mm-hmm. has a leading part oh, in yeah. it. Oh yeah. I think that we don't have a sense of really what the goings on of it because it seems that it's like Vera Farmiga has a plan to control the monsters and like you know her humanity is a virus and the monsters can you know do it. I I feel like there's machinations of the plot we don't fully know. Oh yeah, how. I mean we've only seen one trailer. But ultimately, are we both in agreement that this most likely will be a sort of remake of G- G- of Ghidorah the three-headed yeah. monster because yeah. no, he's going to be the villain he's going to be the villain yeah. I could see like Vera Farmiga possibly taking on a maybe not be a Venetian but maybe take on a Venetian type role yeah <laughs> where she's like the warning sign and she's trying to do stuff and then yeah uh Kyle Chandler uh, is like oh, like what, what did you do yeah I mean he's he's doesn't look like he's a cop this time. Because so he always plays a cop or He is somebody's dad, though. He is somebody's dad. <laughs> he that is somebody's he dad. He does get typecast. I'm excited to see Millie Bobby Brown in yeah, it. Yeah, and I'm very interested to see like her. Because she also has a lot where she's like standing in front of monsters. Mm-hmm. It seems like they at least they, that's what they do. And I, 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 I do know, you know, there might be, like in our franchise, there might be kind of psychic monster communication yes. elements coming up. <laughs> I, I, I do know something about that, so maybe she has some sort of power like well, that. Well, you know, it's interesting because at at this point with the Godzilla franchise, you can do any of that kind of stuff, oh, and I'll yeah. be, I'd be fine with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the last few things I, I will say, uh, some information that did come out after that was that um, uh, Doherty did say that the major monsters, of course, are Godzilla, Rodan, which that Rodan sequence yeah. looks... Yeah, it better not be like a, this is a vision of the future because Rodan, it's not quite GI Joe retaliation destruction, but it looks pretty looks pretty bad. Um, somebody actually made a funny meme where they took those uh, uh, line 
from Kong where he's like, there'll never be a more messed up time in Washington. And then they show the clip of Rotan destroying Washington. <laughs> um, but they did say, so it's going to be Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, and Ghidorah will be the main monsters in the movie. Um, and there may be more surprises. Jaguar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so that there may be i'm thinking like maybe angiris or something oh, like no, that. no it, it would be it would be angiris maybe maybe manila who knows yeah yeah Can it, you it, imagine it, if manila it, it, i i think it's just gonna be like and there's others all over the world and they'll be like yeah, security kit ca- it'll be like uh like the thing that, that scene in just not justice league batman v superman when where flash comes in from the future yeah. no no like Godzilla's when uh, <laughs> the key <laughs> Yes, cue the Mothra. Why'd you say that name? Yes, we've all heard the memes. (laughs) No, but, uh, you know, it'll probably be like the scene when they're looking at, like, the security footage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, it'll be probably, like, one of those. Hopefully done better. Yeah, um, Um, I'm I'm wondering, though, like, it would be funny just think about, like, the most obscure monster you could put. Like, there are others out there. And it just shows, like, Megalon. Megalon, Abira, Kumanga. Manila, there are not Manila, Amanda. Oh man, there are others out there. Take a look at this. It's just a giant lobster. It's just like it's all the insects. It's Camacurus, <laughs> giant, giant um, uh, praying mantis. Uh, Ghidorah will be taller than Godzilla, naturally. Um, and uh, the biggest news was that uh, the score uh, will include themes by Akira Fukube. Yeah, hopefully uh, we get the classic uh Ghidorah theme you may get the i think you're definitely going to get the mothra theme and the godzilla theme yeah. i think that because that that was really my only Love complaint the, about the 2014 one give me that give me that Ghidorah theme yeah <laughs> give it to me what's the Ghidorah theme i don't even remember <laughs> it sounds like john cena <laughs> john cena it's the final kaiju <laughs> he just plays uh, his character from Blockers. <laughs> Would not be opposed to that. Um, we're both looking forward to Godzilla, King of the Monsters. but And, and maybe a James Bond movie if it ever comes out. <laughs> You're very worried about I'm, it. I'm not convinced. Now it could be Idris. What if it's Idris? World, it's not going to be Idris. <laughs> we'll talk about that on the next you, Bond episode. But it's... You, you bigot. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I get it. It is kind of funny. That news kind of came out of nowhere well because it, it was it's not news because it came, it was like a thing that happened in january and then people are like oh there's rumors that he was meeting with them which could be i mean anything. he could but he could be meeting with them he could be i mean th- this would be craig's last movie probably if he did it he is it is craig's last movie what if it's him versus idris see i could see idris playing a villain we'll talk about this next month okay episode. all right <laughs> all right nick yeah. um it's time to talk about today's episode and I apologize because today's episode may be a tad longer. I'll try to keep it on the on the regular side, but it may be a little bit longer because we are introducing a new era of it's Godzilla. A new era of Godzilla. This is the reason I love doing this podcast, Nick, yeah. because doing the research for this movie has been extremely fascinating mm-hmm. look upon not only a franchise but film history, yeah. but also global history global. and how it affects everything yeah but nick uh i'm going to introduce the movie but first i i I don't i don't want to speak for introducing this movie Mm. i have something that'll introduce this movie for us okay in 1956 he first appeared on motion picture screens across the country his impact on audiences was instantaneous and unprecedented his acting technique was revolutionary his presence overwhelming he possessed more raw talent 
than any performer of his generation. He soon became an international legend, a giant who took the world by storm. Then, suddenly, <laughs> at the height of his fame, so long. he retired from motion pictures. Now, he is back, and he's more magnificent, more glamorous, <laughs> more devastating than ever. Prepare yourself. <laughs> the greatest star of all Who is it? has returned. Who is it? I think we know. soon to a theater near you. I think we found our next Godzilla King of the Monsters trailer. <laughs> and came to the theater it did, Nick. Nick, today we are talking about Godzilla 1985, which is the U.S. title for Godzilla 1984, as released in Japan. <laughs> or Godzilla Returns. Or The Return of Godzilla, uh, directed by Koji Hashimoto. Ooh. So... Are you, am I ready? Was it clear that it came out in the 80s with that? <laughs> 100%. I found that last night and was like, oh, that's going in. And there's actually going to be a follow-up one that we will play at some point during the episode. Okay. But anyway, so Nick, as we said last time with the terror of, terror of Mechagodzilla, that we were closing up the Showa era yes, of the so Godzilla. The Showa era is no more. Yeah. We uh, wrap that up and as we um <clears throat> move into what is called the Hase the Hasey era or the mm-hmm. Hasey era. Hasey, 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 Hosey. I was going to spend this time introducing what that meant, what the Heisei era was, both historically and then with this franchise, Mm -hmm. and we'll get a little bit more into that, but the only reason I didn't want to get too much into that is because while technically this is part of the Heisei uh, Godzilla uh, canon of films, the the Heisei film era, it technically came out during the Showa era of Japanese history, (laughs) so I thought I would take this time because, uh, what better time, because we won't really have time going forward, is uh, just talk about what is going on in the world with cinema that I think you will find informs this movie quite a bit yeah. and, and actually highlights some interesting trends. Japanese cinema, 1980s, uh, Nick. All right, so in the 80s for Japan, there was a decline of major Japanese film studios and their associated chains of cinemas. Now, this is and I am not smart enough to get into this portion of things. But there is a bit of economic uncertainty within Japan. Okay. You know, it's not like a huge like recession, but, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, the, the economy is not necessarily booming right. at, at this point. Okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, there's a lot of studios that are barely staying in business, but are still chugging along. Toho is um, <clears throat> Toho is one of them. Um the one thing that is uh, a big kind of sur- a big surge in the 80s was anime. Um, I think one of um, Miyazaki's earlier films, Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind, yeah, uh, yeah. came out um, around, um, around that. I think in, yeah, 1984 it came out. Um, you know, the Miyazaki films I don't think became like a huge thing until the 90s. Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, like, <laughs> it's just like he built himself up. But, that, but there's plenty of examples of yeah. the 80s anime and it's like well, a, late 80s was akira yeah and yeah, that late was, 80s yeah. was akira you know you, you got kind of 
the kind of lead up to the to kind of what the nineties of anime would be like ne- Neon Genesis and Vigilion and yeah. Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of that stuff is like, you know, still rooted in kind of the classic eighties yeah. uh, anime stuff. And the uh, other biggest thing that was happening at the time was that there was the um also the surgeons of um, I'm gonna start using that word, surgeons. Um there was also the um creation of direct to video film industry, which also kind of like changed the game a little bit, um, which we also talk about on the state side uh, of things and uh you know the you know films aren't doing uh you know quite as well and studios especially aren't doing yeah. quite as well um so that's what's going on in japan at the time now america cinema america 1980s 1980s okay my favorite era of film there, there's <laughs> with apologies to some people keep talking madison west you don't know who that is um the 80s is amazing Mm-hmm. Time, a period of filmmaking. Keep talking. I'm just changing my shirt. <laughs> it's hot. Um, you know, you, you got your classics. We just we just watched Predator. That's a movie from the '80s. Terminator, Die Hard, Back to the Future. Uh, <laughs> you just naming '80s movies? Yeah, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, like, uh, like we 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 do regard the '80s as like a major stepping stone in terms of you know, major pop culture filmmaking, which right. obviously still started with Star Wars in nineteen seventy seven. Mm-hmm. But when you when you when you look at stuff like Back to the Future, Terminator, like Spielberg movies, E. T. as much as I don't care for E. T. No, I, I You like E. T. I, 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 e. T.'s fine. Um <laughs> like eighties pop culture is like sometimes how we define movies as pop culture well i'm glad you mentioned star wars because as we talk about 80s and american cinema i think it's important to talk about what has been going on in american cinema um since um you know the release of terror of mechagodzilla which um came out in 1975 um so what has happened since then nick in america yeah um the the cold war no, no it's a rhetorical question okay. <laughs> Cold War was ramping up. This is American cinema. We'll get to the history. Ronald Reagan was elected president. That's what happened. All right, here's the thing. American cinema, they went through a boom of a few new filmmaking practices uh, all throughout the 70s that would work their way into the 80s. The biggest thing that happened, and this is the most important thing, is that the blockbuster became certainly mainstream. Like, it was, like, redefined ultimately yeah. um <clears throat> while you know autorist uh, smaller films with moderate budgets would still find success the bigger budget films and this is also important that were also what we would call genre films mm-hmm. uh were both commercial and critical successes like right. you just saw a string of them doing extremely well uh and by genre i mean you have horror films like the exorcist you have kind of like monster flicks like jaws uh 2001 and of course star wars um so this gave rise to the mo- not only to the modern blockbuster but the focus by studios that's like well you know now we can churn out these blockbusters like let's let's start making these big budget hits let, let let's doing that now that's a conversation of you know you can talk about the trends of how that led into today that's not why we're here but it's a hot button topic on film twitter i think um this came in contrast with another commonplace factor, though, was working with these auteur directors. Because as we have seen, that the compromise that came with, like, well, let's, like, make these kind of, like, these same type of blockbusters is that while some of them would work out, there would be some cases in which a studio basically, you know, giving in to, I don't want to say pandering, but, like, uh, 
just give just giving what they need everything that the this director needs mm-hmm. uh would all not all the time be the most you know <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. practical yes. business wise um there's i think a, there's a lot of great examples i mean apocalypse now apocalypse is like the now, biggest one days of heaven no um no um uh, not that one. maybe not heaven's gate that's the one i'm thinking of heaven's gate which almost you know which brought down a studio that we talk about all the time which was uh, united artists mm-hmm. yeah uh, heaven's gate brought down united artists and forced them to be uh, merged and sold to mgm mm-hmm. and that's something we've talked about on the bond side and even uh mgm uh, where we are at that point in the bond franchise they've had too many you know not as big hits as they would like and mm-hmm. that included license to kill as much as that was was technically a success uh, that would ultimately bring that studio uh to the brink of extinction uh so definitely there is sort of a balance there um and you see it throughout the 80s too um as much as we say the 80s is a very successful time in terms of creating that pop culture and creating these big monster classic films uh, mm-hmm. you know like back to the future and stuff there is that element of you know some of them Go and went by the wayside. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Um, and then the other biggest thing, as we mentioned with Japanese cinema, is that um, home video um, made a big splash mm-hmm. uh, in a little bit of a different way than I think TV did. Because I think we often look at like TV as being like the thing that a lot of people said, like, this will kill the industry. Yeah. And I'm sure people said that about home video, too. But home video is almost looked at, at least initially, a lot more favorably because you had like, you know, other more auteurs directors, you know, getting their, you know, established shot by like, you know, being able to consume all of this media. Yeah, uh, and, via, and I, I always think that, that via the, physical releases. I think the difference was for home video was that with TV there was the worry at that time in the fifties when TV was getting big that like oh people won't go out to the cinema. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like home video, I mean it, all, it had its own issues with like you know the process of it. Yeah, it also it, took but, forever. It, it, yeah. yeah, but it's essentially it was like oh people can now watch the, the classic movies whenever they want because you know before. You'd have to wait for it to be released in theaters again or put on TV, but now they could just have an extra amount of revenue. Sure. I don't think they saw it as a competition. They thought they thought of it as, you know, uh, you know, they could add to the profit of something like Nick, you know, James Bond or something. I'm glad like that. you brought this up because one of the biggest things, at least recorded in American history, cinema history, is that the biggest thing about at the time, and this isn't it's interesting because this isn't necessarily always the case anymore, um, was that the movies that may not have had the biggest success in theaters could find, as they would say, find a home on you know VHS uh, or video release. Yeah. Um, and then at the same time, then you also have people. You know, Tarantino is somebody who you know is a guy who always touts about like you know digging into all these movies that you know only like you know home release kind of like lets you able to do, and that can go all the way into like you know film education makes like that all yeah. that easier. So the reason I'm saying all this is because the American American film is having like a major boom in a couple different directions. Yeah. Um, and you know, not to say everything is hunky dory, but here is a contrast happening here where, to, where J- Japan, um, you know, uh, running on low steam yeah. a little okay. bit. Whereas very, very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, so as we, so that's the cinema history on both ends. Um, the other biggest thing, world history. Now this is your favorite part. A film. No. <laughs> No, we're, world history, uh, what's going on in the well, world, I mean, also, or what to, has been going on To in be the world. frank, history is my favorite subject in school. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
That's why I like film history so much. I'm a history nerd. So, so bring it on. So over the you know you know over the course of the 70s and into the 80s, the biggest things that I think relate to what's going on mm-hmm. with us that relate to us, biggest events, Vietnam. Was ha- Vietnam had happened. I'm talking about like things that it were on people's minds since yeah, like 1975. Right. So Vietnam was a thing. It yeah. sucked. Yeah. Vietnam happened. Uh, you know, there's things like, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis, the entire Cold War. As we mentioned, yeah. Apocalypse Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so those... Rambo. Yeah. So those are the biggest things uh, that, that are going on in the world in time that I think will become very clear of how they relate. Mm-hmm. So as we... Let's get into the actual development of yeah. Return of Godzilla. Let's, let's see what... Because there... There is a question that I think that is on our listeners' minds, certainly on mine. What's on your mind? Well, you know, the Terror of Mechagodzilla was 1975. Yes. And this movie came out, you know, depending on where you were in the world, 1984, 1985. Yeah. So what was happening in between then? Why did it take almost a decade for Godzilla to make his return to the big screen? Well, that's, that's why what I want, is what on our mind. Well, I wanted to get those two out of the way because, you know, while, you know, may not be, maybe this is, you know, I'm sure a lot of listeners probably know a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about but i think it's important to see you know there's this big almost 10 year break yeah. what's been going on in the world yeah so now this is what's been going on behind the scenes at toho um so the low opening of the terror of mecha godzilla pushed toho to put the franchise on indefinite holds now despite that producer tamayuki tanaka who it was you know who has been the producer on all these godzilla films and i think now we can the closest thing to the broccolis that you could probably say on these movies he is a a, i would say he is the shepherd of the godzilla (laughs) franchise um now he was driven the keep the franchise alive and persisted in the development of a new edition so despite you know Toho saying like no more this producer's like you know what I can we can make this project work so Tanaka begins his mission to return Godzilla as it were so throughout the 70s and early 80s several projects with uh, varying degrees of confirmation I want to make that clear because the one thing about doing research while it is fun for Godzilla is that the history for it is not quite as concretely documented as let's say the Bond series is um so one of the reported projects was a full-color remake of the original Gojira to be titled The Rebirth of Godzilla. But this project never saw any further substantial development. Like, it was just like a pitch. Yeah. And then like yeah, this is all, like, the, the next couple ones are just, like, here are all the attempts. This is, you want to know what's going on in the within these 10 years? This is what's going on. All right, let's see. Um, another reported project would have had Tanaka work once again with UPA. If you remember, UPA helped produce um, Invasion of Africa. Astro Monster right. way back in the way day. Way back in the day. Um, so Tanaka approached them on a project called Godzilla versus the Devil. Um, there's not too much other information about that other than that's what the title would have been. Godzilla makes a deal. It's bedazzled, yeah. but with Godzilla. <laughs> Is it like a, a giant Elizabeth Hur- Hurley? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Um, that's actually funny because there is a comic book series limited run called Godzilla Goes to Hell. And it really, it, it is just Godzilla falls into hell and he fights his way out. It's my diehard bitch. It is your diehard bitch. <laughs> it's my diehard bitch. Damn it. Um, a third um, untitled uh, film idea would had Godzilla return to fight a shaped, shape-shifting kaiju called Bagan. Not Bacon. Bagan. <laughs> I know you were going to say bacon. I know. You know I was going to say <laughs> um, But once again, that's an idea that did not 
go anywhere. Now, here's the most. I just want to say it would have been interesting to see that from like uh, a special effects perspective. Yeah. Like how you, how, like how many forms would you have had? Would have been similar to like a Hedorah or would have been like, you know, just weird. I don't know. Just, that one's interesting. Um, now, here's the most interesting project. Okay. Um, In- who, the most interesting. An American version was reportedly also attempted. Mm. Yeah, I don't even know why I wrote reportedly. It was attempted, Nick. <laughs> Uh, the film was pitched by director Steve Miner. Of uh, he directed Friday the Thirteenth Part Two and Part Three. Okay, Three D. Oh, part Three and Three D. And would later go on to make a Halloween H two O. Twenty years later, <laughs> he made H two O. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, um, what a legacy! He came. He actually came to pitch a Godzilla film because he was a huge Godzilla fan and offered to make the film at his own expense. That's how passionate he was about this, Nick. Um, so he kind of pitched what he wanted to do. Toho granted him permission to make the film, and Miner started development, creating storyboards, creature designs, and even models um, that would be used. Um, now, the only problem was is that was Miner's vision. Miner's attempt at making a Godzilla movie would have included all of the special effects being done via stop motion. Which, if you recall, was the original plan for the original Gojira is to do it all Ray Harryhausen stop motion yeah. type stuff. So he not only wanted to do that, but he also wanted to do it in 3D. <laughs> well, also, I mean, Friday the 13th 3 is the third movie in the yeah. franchise. So, I mean, it's hard not to do that one 3D. Godzilla, yeah. this is like his first attempt. Yeah. You do if you want to do 3D, you got to make two more. You got to make two films first. Yeah. Then you'll get to 3D, kid. Um now, because of all that, all of the American studios in which he would have produced it at, or yeah, which they would have made the movie at, were like, no, that's way too expensive. <laughs> so the, his project went on a halt. And um, so the film didn't move forward. And Tanaka took the opportunity to take back the reins in developing a strictly domestic version of Godzilla. Um, so eventually, after all of this development, Toho realized they needed a they needed a hit on their hands. Okay, like I said, they're not doing that well. The last Godzilla film didn't do that well, and, and it's been almost a decade by this. Right, point. and then like I said, there's things like the anime is becoming popular, but the biggest thing is that America is the are the people well, making yeah. big blockbuster mm-hmm. films. This necessary this wasn't necessarily Toho's domain like that. They made those big popcorn films, but. You know, the idea of, like, a big blockbuster really wasn't a thing right. until, like, they, like they, Jaws right. and, like, those, Cause, and cause those types of Godzilla things. even those Godzilla movies, you talked about them. Like, the, despite the fact that these big monster movies, they are made on the cheap. They yeah. aren't big-budgeted movies. Yeah. And, I mean, ja- and I think Toho and companies like that, they still make movies fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, they still do that. Um, so they were taking a cue from America by making a big hit film. Uh, so Tanaka not only agreed that the film should be a big event, but he also thought that the series needed to return to its definitive roots, serious, a 
creature of destruction, something to be feared, something back to what it used to be, right. is what he said. Uh, in, in contrast to what the Showa era had kind of defined him as, as being yeah. like this lovable hero. Mm-hmm. The, the gritty reboot. Yeah, type exactly. Of, type of, to, to <laughs> you be, know what? To, That's, be quite, to be quite honest. It's the gritty reboot. Um, it's the Batman Begins of, of kaiju movies. So who is going to make this movie, Nick? I don't know, Will. <laughs> Who was going to make this? Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Can you imagine? Young Christopher Nolan. Um, so kid, t- kid Christopher Nolan. Kidstopher Nolan. I'm going to shoot this film on 70 millimeters. <laughs> it doesn't count otherwise. No. <laughs> Don't watch it in a plane. <laughs> when, when, when this movie gets shown on a computer in 25 years, this is going to be a really big shit show. <laughs> Uh, Kidstopher Nolan, guys. We'll be here all week. Uh, so he initially approached Ashiro Honda, who had to have been, uh, he was six, he was close, I think he was 68, close to 70 at this point mm. in his uh, in his life, uh, to return as a director, thinking that the return to that more uh, serious tone would be enough of a pitch to get him back on board. Um, unfortunately, Honda declined, um, citing just kind of a disinterest in, in coming back. You know, he... Was the Honda still working, or would it have been like a retirement thing? You know, like was he, would he have come out of retirement, or was he just like? No, I mean, if, but it is known and reported that he just was not interested in doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it. That it seemed like he just moved on. There's reports that maybe he had more kind of flippant responses to it. That being said, um, while Tanaka approached Honda first, he then turned to the director of this film, uh, Koji Hashimoto, who was reportedly suggested by honda himself okay so he's like if you're going to do this you might as well get this guy um because hashimoto's um uh his credits included being an assistant director for several early showa godzilla films um and he actually just completed his own directorial debut bye bye jupiter or sayonara jupiter in japan and uh which was actually released the same year as this film (laughs) so how about that how about that (laughs) Now with a director on board, Hashimoto, um, he was approaching this film now that he was picked with a specific uh, vision, um, wanting to justify the quote-unquote reason for making a new Godzilla film. Uh, His aim was, like the original, to have the film be socially conscious, reflecting the world as is. He specifically targeted the tensions of the Cold War and Japan's placement in a world caught between the nuclear paranoia of the U.S. and Soviet Russia. He quoted, Japan rejects war. We have our non-nuclear principles and no nuclear weapons, and that is how we can enjoy this kind of peace. That is what we hope people will think when they see this film. All right, so Nick, we are, um, we are wrapping up on what the production of this movie is. Um, so production begins. Um, to, um, yeah, another Japanese name. Teruyoshi Nakano, who was the effects director of the seven, all the 70s Showa-era Godzilla films, uh, returns, um, uh, re- returns as the effects director, and this time, um, with a much generous budget, um, which he had not been afforded before, Nakano took the opportunity to go further with the monster being Godzilla than ever before. should also be noted that um, with this being the return of Godzilla, um, there's no other monsters in this movie. It's specifically just a focus on the King of the Monsters Mm -hmm. himself. So the first decision was to make Godzilla significantly taller than he had ever been before. The goal being that Godzilla is always to be the most imposing thing on screen, even in the presence of buildings and skylines. You know, he's the King of the Monsters. He's got to be that. Big! 
Uh, Nakano personally oversaw all steps of the of design and construction. Um, there were multiple ways in which they brought Godzilla to life in this film. There were pieces of the suit that they made at a time. They made individual rigs for like the tail, sometimes even the feet. Um, sometimes it would be a suit that you could take off pieces in case you wanted to use one as like kind of like a puppet. Like they made a very th- one of the most thorough suits that they had ever done. Um, I'm glad they did. In addition to that, though, Nakano also employed a different method of bringing uh, Godzilla to life. A 16-foot-high robot, Godzilla dubbed the Cybot, that would operate as a detailed animatronic. Now, Nick, remember, (laughs) this cost... Quite a pretty penny. Yeah. Um, it, um, it was not. Wait, not wait, no, 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 no. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, the Cybot worked when it came to, like, in terms of the needs of the production. It worked when it came to the close ups and limited motions that the animatronics would provide for it. But the bulk of the work was still done by suit, um, th- uh, which this time was uh, performed by uh, Kempachiro Satsuma, um, who would go on to portray Godzilla. For the rest of the franchise, so recapping everything yeah. that we've that we've talked about here, because I don't know when I was looking up, I found this super interesting for a couple of reasons. Oh no, it's very fascinating. Um, and I know it's a lot, so I'm I'm sorry about that. But you know, new era, and it's also our podcast. <laughs> we can do what we want. Yeah, I, I I try not to go too long, but th- this 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 I thought was important because the people want to hear us speak. They want the information. Lots of stuff has been going on in the world thus far, as we said, like Cold War tensions. We have Japan, who on a cinema front isn't having a boom. We have America that is having quite the boom, and Japan once again is taking cues from American cinema. From from Ameri- from American cinema. Um, thematically, another thing that I find super interesting is that 1954, uh, the original Godzilla comes out. And is done purposefully with the thematic elements of nuclear warfare. Yeah. Um, and the effects of that, the sins of that, um, very much so. Strangely, not even strangely, just interestingly, that movie doesn't really point fingers on who did what yeah. in that, like, in that whole situation. Yeah, that whole situation. You know, it's yeah. interesting. Uh, it's interesting to see how that changes going into this movie, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but then we see that now, once again, so many years pass by. And once again, it's not like, oh, well, we just make a nuclear a movie with Godzilla, nuclear warfare, because that's what Godzilla is about. You can see these influences that are knocking on the door of, you know, fright of nuclear warfare. So when I was doing this research, I just found it interesting. It's like there's not only these legitimate thematic reasons that these artists or whatever put into these movies yeah but it does show this kind of cyclical repeating nature of of history yeah because it's the same thing it's nuclear warfare and and, and and this is something that we've come across i think especially in godzilla but in both franchises Mm -hmm. i just think like kind of you know because the bond franchise just just quickly before we no no go ahead i want to hear um you know it kind of always has the same pattern it's like you know, it, to an extent, it's like, oh, we're going to start off, like, serious and lower key, and then it kind of builds itself up to being more and more ridiculous right. and, and kind of going with the times and stuff. And and Bond, again, I'll talk about this more in the next episode, but Bond is very interesting because 
sometimes it is a franchise because it's just it's all this this one studio ever does can kind of feel insular and kind of ignore what's happening in the greater world around it. Mm-hmm. But the Bond franchise also represents this idea that like, oh, we keep just repeating ourselves. It's like we're going, oh, then this is going to be, you know, what do we say with like, you know, Connery after like stuff like, you know, um, you know, diamonds are forever, and then you get the you get to uh, Iraj Moore. It's like, oh, hey, we're trying to bring it back down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when you get from more more like it's really ridiculous at the end. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about Living Daylights, and like, okay, now we're getting that book bond once again. And yeah, kind yeah, of that yeah. Development of the nature of it, and it's the same thing with Godzilla. It's like we're kind of now they've had their new era, and they're kind of pushing it back to being like this was originally like a a, a you know a drama with a with the giant monster about you know nuclear warfare mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff let's, let's bring it back to that no it's interesting like and especially like you can't ignore that those development trends happen because quite frankly i mean and and you know i, I don't even want to say like they're copying they're copying the trends i mean you know it's art it's cinema it's entertainment it all influences each other so you it's know all, it's all like america bad. makes big blockbusters now toho wants to get in the big blockbuster business I it makes sense and why not do it with one of your properties that you would have considered the closest thing to a viable yeah. but my thing that i i guess that i'm getting at is this not only this influence of culture to culture art and entertainment wise but there's this cyclical nature to how the events of just humanity yeah. have affected this franchise. And yeah, yeah. it's really funny. And it almost makes it it almost gives one of the one of the reasons I argue about a movie being quote unquote timeless is because I do think it's important to recognize that a movie is of its time. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I think there's more value to that than most people. But in a way it shows Again, why is there, why do we start this podcast? We started this podcast because we want to talk about like you know, with, even with so many dumb movies, why are these the franchises that have last the longest? We've seen a we've seen a franchise from uh from uh, 1954 to nine you know 1984. Um, so 30 years that's 30 years later. Yeah. 30 years later. And it's still being influenced by the same stuff that's not being drudged up that's actually going on in the world. Yeah. Um, and that is what makes this Godzilla franchise, I think, timeless in a way. that It always kind of like every now and then. Now, again, it does take the initiative of these creators to make a more purposeful you know, film that we're going to touch on these subjects in a way. Um, but that was the most fascinating thing to me and like was one of the big highlights of like, man, this is this is this we accidentally always stumble on the reason we're doing this show. Yeah. And that was like the most exciting it's very poignant thing one. for me. I also don't mind going long on the history of the movie uh, because I don't have too much to say about the movie. <laughs> Let's just get to uh, what, what Godzilla 1984, what, whatever it is. Let's talk about it. Um, well, okay. Um, I'm going to, in order to play us out, I think, uh, you know, uh, we need a little bit more of a clip. So we'll be back in a minute. 30 years ago, he thought it was over. Troops, aircraft, rockets, they were all used before. Now, your favorite fire-breathing monster is back like you've never seen him before. The legend is reborn in the all-new Godzilla 1985, starring Raymond Burr. Godzilla 1985. Rated PG. When he first appeared 30 years ago, Godzilla was regarded with awe. 
People at the time thought he was a legend come to life. There are many stories around how monsters appear in times of calamity. Godzilla is a warning, and I'm just trying to send him back home. Nick, was there anything interesting about that little clip that you saw? I did, yes. Yes. Uh, Raymond Burr? Yeah. Uh, he was in the American King of the Monsters film yes. uh, from, from 1955. I wanted to save this for the movie discussion because uh, when this was released in America, they said, well, to make this more uh, palatable for American audiences under the title. It came out the following year, so in 1985. Right, because um, I can see by the title, Godzilla, <laughs> 1985. Yeah, don't, 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 don't get snippy with me. Um, but um, they said, well, what other, what better way to redo this and, you know, kind of redub this and recut this than by doing what we did with the original Godzilla and bring back Raymond Burr's character, who I believe was a journalist named Steve Martin, not the funny Steve Martin, but no. the journalist Steve Martin, mm-hmm. don't you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, they brought him back and in a very similar way did a cutting, like kind of integrated him with the uh, with the main plot of the movie, which may have been a little bit quote unquote easier this time because this movie involves like America and the rest of the world yeah. uh, a, a little bit. Um, and also, unfortunately, and this is the biggest critic of the critique of this version is a lot of uh, Dr Pepper <laughs> was the big sponsor like it was the big advertisement so there was apparently dr pepper everywhere including a moment which they wanted raymond burr to very visibly drink a can of dr pepper on camera they the i think uh one of the assistants or somebody went up to uh, burr and said like hey you're, you're gonna have to do this with the, do- with the dr pepper and reportedly said that Raymond Burr gave a glare at him so hard that nobody ever asked him to do it again. <laughs> and there was a moment when I thought like, oh, like, that would be an interesting version of this movie to watch. And then I thought like, well, before this episode, I think I'll just like sit down and watch it just to kind of see what it is. And then when I thought about like, oh, but that means I have to rewatch it. And I didn't want to do that. And uh, I think that's basically my feelings <laughs> this, <laughs> on this movie. You know, it's funny kind of trans... <laughs> This is one of those funny ones in terms of people talk about, oh, we're going to get back to its roots. And we, we, <laughs> because, like, here's the thing. Like, Godzilla, you know, Gojira 1954 is still, like, one of the, the best movies we've Absolutely. seen. Absolutely. It, it's still a classic. But this one, it feels like a step back from what we have been watching. Because, mm-hmm. like, I, again, I love Godzilla, Gojira 1954. It's still, like, you know, my top movie, I think, that we've seen in the Godzilla franchise because it's so hard to... to to really top just the emotion and and the legacy that that film has. But the Godzilla franchise at this point had evolved. And I think this may be also something that comes from, at least for me, binge-watching the movies. Mm-hmm. We've, 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 we've had side effects from, from watching these movies month after month. But the thing is, we've seen all these fun monster fights and the kind of ridiculous nature of those films. And mm. like just seeing this and watching it, it just felt like it was a step backwards. Mm. It was going back... To something that worked before, right, but right. not not necessarily what 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 had been working. This will be interesting going forward with the with the movies after this, um, and I won't get too much into that. But that, like, so what were you like? Well, I you said this is a step back. I think you were a little bit more ready to share your opinions when we watched the movie of what your just general opinion of the movie was. It just was. It was simple. It was kind of so the the movie essentially ignores 
all the films that are before it. It, yeah. it. it acts as if Godzilla disappeared after the 54 attack on, on Japan. Yeah. And then now, oh, he's back. Yeah. And it just... It, it does your it does our favorite thing, it it Halloween it oh, Halloween's the it, no, yes it it it, it, uh, it um yes it well hol- that's an important thing and I wanted to say that for the movie conversation that the other decision major decision with this movie was that it was ignoring all the show of films with the exception of the original one yeah. so in many ways this acts as a direct sequel yeah. to, which is also interesting because this movie's also very unclear about the events. Of that original movie, yeah. which my knowledge of the rest of this era, of the the Hasey era, doesn't quite make sense, and that goes into kind of the legacy of this movie, if I'm going to be honest. Um, but yeah, this movie makes it seem like Godzilla attacked 30 years ago, yeah, and then just kind of disappeared. Right? It doesn't like mention like like the other any other actors from the movie or like the characters or, or the the oxygen destroyer. Yeah. Well, the only thing is in the American version is Raymond Burr's character, yeah, who would have like re- quote unquote returned. Um, but it's like funny because it's a sequel to the first movie in that it's like there was a Godzilla once. Like, yeah. you know, it, it's like, well, wait, no, that other and, guy and every, was and ev- killed. And everybody was, <laughs> you know, aware of it. Like, everybody's like, no, it's like, oh, man, Godzilla. Like, it was this thing that attacked Japan, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. And it was this big tragedy. Which, but- not a bad, not, not a bad start no. premise-wise uh, to your movie. And, like, and really, to an extent, this is, like, kind of a soft remake as well. Sure. Like, yeah, it, like, you can consider that. Because, you know, it starts similarly, it's people on boats, and the boats get attacked, and then there's a whole, like, Japan kind of debates, do we tell the public, do we don't tell the public? You know, eventually, it's like they can't ignore it. Well, in many ways, it's going back to its roots by a fault, because ultimately, when it's over, it really is just Godzilla attacks. Yeah. And that's and, really And that's what, what I mean, it it's is. a setback. Because, yeah. like, again, we've, we've, we've built up this great monster action over time. Mm-hmm. Um and it just kind of is a step back to just see Godzilla just, you know, with, with few highlights. That's just like destroying buildings. Because it's am, like there's not much you can do right. to an extent after that. I, so, off mic, um, on my own time, I finally got a chance to watch Shin Godzilla, uh, which is the two, 2016 Toho film mm-hmm. that um, I had on Blu-ray, never got a chance to watch, finally watched it. Um, quick review, absolutely loved it. And it's slowly walk crawling its way up to one of my favorite Godzilla movies, I think, or at least just a very, very well done one. Mm-hmm. The reason I bring that up is because there's a lot of comparisons between that and this one, mm-hmm. in which it's kind of—I mean, it's not like a sequel to the original one. It's more of like we're remaking it. Godzilla kind of has that. There's so many Godzilla movies that you kind of get away with remaking it, yeah. Um, because I know people love the 54 one. I love the 54 one, but it's broad enough that you could just do like another Godzilla's appearing for the first time. Yeah. But the difference with that one though, I think it's a little bit more purposeful, uh, with like its characters and what it's representing, uh, in history at the time. And they also do some interesting, a very interesting angle with the creature itself, with Godzilla himself. Um, so it was interesting watching that and then coming back and watching this one, which is doing that, but nothing like really new, if, if that makes sense. I walked out of this movie like this is it's fine. It, I, it's, I, it's, it's simple to me. It's inoffensive. And the, maybe the reason I was a little bit more favorable to it. And then I mean, well, we can hash it out right now is I, I had a soft spot for 
the artificialness of it. Like, because this is like definitely, you know what this movie is? When you want to show somebody watching a monster movie or that they like Godzilla, like in a movie or a TV show, or if you want to just show a monster movie, a TV show, this is the movie that you put on screen. You don't put the original one because it's old and black and white. You put this one because it's cheesy. The monster, and not in a good way, it just looks cheesy. The monster looks like a creature on a Universal Studios ride, (laughs) and the buildings look fake as hell. And there is a soft spot for me who just likes, like, oh, I like that this that exists as a movie. I like the 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 art, like the the art and craft behind it. Right. But at the same time, I do acknowledge, like, but it's. You know, I, I just like it kind of like on that level. It, it's not a strong movie, um, and I'm not even kind of like saying like, oh, but the effects are great. I'm not even saying that. It's just they're not. More, yeah. <laughs> I'm just more – I yeah. mean, okay, so let's let's get this out of the way. You were vocally not a fan of effects this in this movie. This is, I think, my least favorite-looking Godzilla. Really? Okay. Like Godzilla or – Godzilla, yeah. Like Or just – Godzilla movie or just Godzilla in general, like I mean, okay. to the monster. Here's the thing about that. Oh, see, my thing is like not even the monster, like the the design of Godzilla in this movie. I can take or leave. I think it's like eh, yeah, it's whatever. Like I'm more talking about like oh, like like the buildings and like the yeah. settings you and know, him I like was, destroying. It's okay on the buildings and yeah. stuff like that. It's just like I I just here's the thing about that. There were a lot of times in this movie where I could completely tell. Like Godzilla was like fake, right? And and here's the thing: obviously, you could tell like the suits were fake too. Like I don't, I don't like say like, oh, the suits were so realistic, but for those, I felt like I could more easily suspend my disbelief in terms of like, oh, I'm like watching Godzilla, and he's mm-hmm. very movement heavy and energetic, and he he feels real, right? In that sense, whereas like this one, there was just a lot of you could tell it was like an animatronic or like you could tell it was like maybe not like maybe like you said like a puppetry thing where like the head would like slowly Well you, move you could over. tell when it was like all right this is the animatronic Godzilla and this is like the suit. Yeah. And you I just tell. I just felt like a lot of this movie especially the scenes with Godzilla just felt more fake than they have been. Hmm. Interesting. Because it just it just to me it just felt like I was just watching like a model on screen or an mm. animatronic on screen. I didn't buy into that suspension of disbelief like I'm watching a monster attack. And that took me out of a lot of the movie. Sure, me. sure. I mean, maybe it's because I'm I looked at it very much in terms of like from that perspective of like okay, yeah, that does look fake. Like I guess it just didn't quite bother me because yeah, like and I'm all, and, and I'm also not like in general like hot on on the movie. Uh, and, it, well, here, here's and, the big, and, and, and just for the the thing, like they keep doing this weird, like lip thing yeah. with Godzilla, which is funny. Cause as I was doing my research, that was like a big deal. Like that they were like, they were able to get the mouth to move in so many it different just directions weird every time they do it. Yeah, it's yeah. just like Godzilla's like lips kind of come up and you see his like gums, but like it doesn't well, problem, really like doesn't do anything. Yeah. The me. problem is if the suit itself can't do that, like, you know, just the suit itself, then it makes it more jarring when you cut to yeah. the animatronic that does that. Um, it's super, it's fascinating to see because one of the reasons, this is technically part of the Hasey era. Yeah. Uh, the Hasey era is my favorite era of Godzilla. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because none of this movie, to me, 
encapsulates anything that I like about those movies, about the rest of these movies. And in many ways, this movie is kind of a redheaded stepchild of this era. Mm-hmm. Nobody, A lot of people kind of forget that it's even part of it. I would say it's kind of one of the more forgotten Godzilla movies. Um, I would say that its biggest benefit is that it just relaunches the franchise yeah. in a way um, for that era to kick off. Um, y- you know, um, like some other things in this movie, um, again, like like the the human characters, whatever, like... Yeah, yeah. It, there's a... What I, it what, starts what I, out not that bad. No, it starts out not that yeah. bad. I think <laughs> what happens because there's really two distinct human plot lines going on. Yeah, there's like the people you follow throughout the movie. Like there's this like the scientist character and the journalist. We get a journalist again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you can tell that it's we get true. all of our tropes. Yeah. We, we got all of our. De- we, we got, got the journalist. Journalist. Uh, what else? Boardrooms. Boardrooms. Uh, Godzilla nu- with a train. Yeah. Nukes. Nukes. Very, very. So, but what I want to say. Do you so, think this movie is anti-nuke? Nuclear weapons? 100%. Do you think so? Uh, I didn't get that sense. Mm. <laughs> well, let's go back to one point. So there's yeah. two distinct plot lines. There's like our, our like civilian plot line. Right. Which is like, okay, there, you know, there's the guy on a boat that gets hurt. There's like a journalist who's trying to expose Godzilla at first and then trying to help out. There's a scientist who has like theories about Godzilla and has been studying Godzilla for years. There's, you know, the boat guy's sister who's like there. Uh, and then there's also on the other side, there's like the government plot line where it's just like, okay, the government now knows that Godzilla is back in town and how are they going to deal with this? Right. Uh, I feel that there are elements of the governmental plot line that do work. Right. And and it is the more interesting, I guess, presented of the two. Yeah. I, I think my thing with the, like the, the, the regular old civilian plot line is that there's a lot of elements that they bring up then suddenly drop. Oh sure. Like 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 the boat guy, he's on a boat, gets attacked, but he sees Godzilla, he doesn't realize it yet, then he gets attacked by these like blood sucking blood monsters. Yeah. Leeches. Are, uh they, they're spe- uh they're sea louses. Sea louses, leeches, yeah. that's yeah, and I thought that was gonna play more into the movie, but it doesn't. Yeah. Um and then like there's this whole thing where it's like, oh I hate Godzilla, I would do anything to destroy him and then that never comes up again. Yeah, he has this line at some point in the movie. He's like, "I will." N- he can never be forgiven for what he did, as if they're taking Godzilla to court. Yeah, <laughs> like I well, mean, I don't. You, think- and you think he's like always going to he's going to like mess things up at some point because like he's so focused on his revenge, right? It never yeah. comes up. Then you also have like the journalist who's like, "Oh, I have this story about Godzilla." Yeah, and then like the government shuts him down, but then ends up the government just reveals it, and so like his whole thing is like, well, I guess I'm just here to stave. It's interesting you say that the multiple human plot lines, and one is just how the government is dealing with this. Yeah, which is again the most interesting of the plot. Shin lines. Godzilla is all of that. Like that is the human plot line. Is like it's like I can't wait to talk about the movie. It's essentially like it's treating it very strictly like a natural disaster is happening. How is the government mm-hmm. taking it? Well, and and, um, and I think it's because so you have like a like you do have because again it's it, it is the most through line because that other one like I said everything in that plot line because you also have the scientist who's like who's like oh my his parents were killed yeah but then immediately drops is like it was starting for revenge but not now it's more because I'm just interested in Godzilla right. and then it's like oh Godzilla has a bird brain which I guess we'll talk about in a second but anyways 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 but the but the but the government plot line just has a bigger through line because you have this prime minister 
who decides like at first like I'm gonna hide this. I can't tell the people. I can't start a panic. We're gonna shut down. You know the, cover, the newspaper stories about it. We're gonna we're gonna hide this from everybody. Right. Then realizes he can't hide it from everybody, and then starts working to be like, okay, so what can we do to stop it? Right. Because there's and yeah, but there's even stuff within that plot line that you feel like could have been more effectively used. Because like then they bring in the scientist guy, and he has this whole theory about how okay Godzilla kind of has like a birdish brain where he like follows birds and like follows like a call. I think the in in uh I think the insinuation is the Jurassic Park thing yeah. that like oh dinosaurs evolve from birds. Like yeah. I think it's and more like he has so an, like, an instinct yeah. to follow like a yeah. signal. And so the scientist's plan is like oh which I thought was nonsense until I kind of thought about it and then not that it's legitimate it's just like well if the logic is that it's like uh, he's an ancestor of birds i'm like uh, okay all right I, yeah so I the, the whole scientist <laughs> presents his plans like oh i can create a signal we'll lead him away from the island we'll dump him in this volcano and there's this kind of thing and he like, also hates godzilla too don't forget that yes but again kind of kind of not because <laughs> like didn't his parents get killed well, no, in like exactly the attack said. 30 years well, ago like he, but, but basically he says like it like it's like oh like the journalist is like Oh yeah, and your parents were killed. Like, did, did this start out as your your interesting Godzilla started as revenge? And then he's like, the scientists are like, it was revenge then, but not now. Yeah, it's, it's so weird. But like, because he, he literally said, no, I'm just like interested in like Godzilla. I'm like, just so I've discovered so much. You've never seen in a movie where somebody not only spells out the motivation of a character, but then the second line is them saying. No, that's not my motivation. Well, what I was, was going to say though too is like, because now he's like kind of like kind of care. He doesn't want to like necessarily like destroy Godzilla like that. He just wants to like like lock him away or whatever in a volcano. They're going to dump him on a volcano or something like that. But here's the thing. But I'm say- all for this whole like, you know, having sympathy for creatures and monsters. And I'm the biggest person who argues that in a lot of like different monster and animal things both in movies and in real life but in this movie like everybody's like i don't know if we can kill godzilla not only because it's possible but is it the right thing to do like what are you talking about (laughs) what i was going to say about that scene too again is another thing that's dropped because the scientist is pitching to the government like oh this could be a possible plan we could lead him away and then there's like another scientist guy who's like oh no we're we like that doesn't make sense we have to use weapons and you think it's going to be this thing where it's like oh like there's some people that just want to like destroy 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 or whatever right but then the prime minister's like oh we'll develop both plans at the same time (laughs) and and see what kind of works so it's again everything that's like kind of the through line for the movie even that just kind of gets dropped in favor of just like oh it's just kind of happening well here's the biggest thing i want to talk about in the movie because the rest of the movie is godzilla goes to destroy stuff and then eventually they drop him in a volcano Mm -hmm. um i actually thought the scene where like he was in the mountains like that kind of visually looked yeah the the best Mm -hmm. um and i will say there are a couple good destruction set piece gags tokyo is tokyo being destroyed yeah tokyo is very flammable (laughs) yeah it's extreme, inexplicably extremely <laughs> flammable. Well, okay, so there's this one scene where Godzilla just uh, breathes his atomic breath, sweeps a coastal line, and then everything is destroyed. That I liked, and then the best, the best scene in the movie, destruction-wise, is when Godzilla breathes his fire breath onto an open highway... One bit of the highway explodes, and then it becomes a domino effect yeah. of the rest of the highway exploding. There's and no I'm like, come on. I guess maybe cars. I don't uh, know. But that, come on, that's great. I mean, it's crazy. That, that, I mean, it's, I lo- it's I a like one that. unique thing about this movie. Um, but here's the thing: if you thought 1954's Gojira 
was about the dangers of nuclear warfare. Which it very much is. It very much is. You have seen nothing yet. Because mm. this movie is about the dangers of nuclear warfare. This movie could not be more on the nose <laughs> with it. So at one point, because so Godzilla destroys a Russian sub. Yeah. And and that's an that interesting. That scene is kind of cool too. Yeah, I did like yeah. that scene. No, that was a cool scene. Um, And it does introduce a new I, element of like, all I, right. By the way, just real quick. Yeah. Um, I did like how, because of how we were watching it, we had Russian dialogue with Japanese yeah, that subtitles. That was pretty great. And then also um, English subtitles because yeah. we were watching the English that's sub. A, that's a weird thing. I'm, I'm curious to go see going forward because like this was another thing I even noticed in Shin was like they go really out of their way to translate everything. Okay. <laughs> so before we move on. Okay. Speaking of the subtitles. Yeah, I know. I know. This is why I brought it up. The subtitling of this movie is absolutely ridiculous. So you have like the regular. I think it's amazing. The regular dialogue scenes yeah. are like, you know, subtitled. Yeah. And then, you know, there's sometimes other Japanese text on screen that gets subtitles as well. But then like they just start putting like um, like English terms on like every single thing. And sometimes it's like, okay, makes oh, sense. Oh, you're bearing the lead. Get to the one that <laughs> At one point in the movie there's a countdown clock. And it's clearly like you've seen a count you know how a clock works. It's counting down, one part is the minutes, the other part's the seconds. You don't need the what the movie does is it actually at the point at the end of the countdown labels the minutes and the seconds in like this really small text box. Yeah. And it's absolutely insane. Like why would you do that i think countdown clocks are a universal language <laughs> i think we all know how a countdown clock works like it was it was pretty funny it was it, funny it was funny um i thought it was interesting because like i said about like the toho uh the toho movies have been pretty neutral in terms of like well we're not gonna take any jabs at like any other countries and it, and it does come from especially like we've talked about we talked about in that first movie how that's a very much a japanese cultural thing right they kind of see that era of their existence that world war ii era as kind of like something that sometimes they put the blame on themselves for creating yeah and they don't necessarily always play the victim card as much as you would think a movie like this would yeah and i wouldn't even say this movie does that no but at one point in this movie i thought like is the implication that japan ended the cold war <laughs> so what there, happens there, there is a scene so, so what happens is that the american ambassador and like a soviet wait, ambassador the american ambassador oh, wait i'm getting yeah. to it i'm getting to it they go have a meeting <laughs> they go have a meeting with the um uh what's the proper term uh the prime minister, the prime minister. yeah so, so basically at this point godzilla has been revealed <laughs> and the like americans and russians because again it's like they've said like okay the american because because at one point when they're still hiding Godzilla, there's basically like a Russian submarine went down. The Russians are blaming the Americans. Cold, like the sure. nuclear yeah. war is yeah. about to start. And then that's when the prime minister is like, we have to reveal Godzilla. We can't start a nuclear war. Right. Cause it, and to end it. So they know. So an American ambassador, a Russian ambassador come and both of these characters are like, you have to nuke it. Blow it out of the sea. <laughs> like, All right. So the, Ameri the, the American Ameri ambassador. You can't see it because this is an audio format. No, but he's waving his hands around. He's like, Godzilla must be destroyed with the strongest nuclear weapons. What are you waiting for? Well, and we described him <laughs> yep. as... Well, I first described yeah. him as discount John Malkovich, and then Will had the perfect description. Is Will <laughs> called him thrift store John Malkovich? Yes. <laughs> this guy, 
like he was just so bad. <laughs> he was so yeah, bad. Yeah, and exactly like. The American president has also approved the use of nuclear weapons. <laughs> this is how he talks. And then the only reason that the other guy didn't sound that way was because he, he's speaking Russian, so he doesn't sound that way to us. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if to a Russian, that a person who spoke fluent Russian, that he sounded like the American guy. Because it could not be, Nick, I cannot stress to you in the audience, you've seen the movie, so to I, the audience mostly, I cannot stress clearly enough how much like this scene is essentially saying it's basically the only thing it's not doing is putting it up on the screen which i don't know why it didn't do because it put everything else up yeah, on the it screen did, it, did. it might as well have just said uh the soviets and american are children playing with guns and we don't want any part of it that's right. essentially mm-hmm. what the, not even the subtext the text of the scene and you know how i know it's the text of the scene is because then the prime minister has a he's like i'm gonna take this to the president uh and to what do you call the head of uh yeah <laughs> of the soviets i'm gonna take to the head of the soviets and I'm going to tell them, if it was your country, would you want to bomb it? And apparently that was enough for them to be He's like, oh, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> would you have the guts to set off a nuclear listen, war? Listen, I could see it's so well-meaning and it's so well-intentioned. Yeah. But it's just so... And the prime minister kind of sells that stuff. Also, uh, it's like 1980s and both of these, they have like space stations that shoot nukes that's not a thing is it in the 80s these space stations I feel like there is like a there uh, was a means is. of like that's how they they did it sometimes wow. which also gets another one of will's favorite things um what which is an uh, emp explanation oh yeah that's another trope that they do they explain what an emp is which is uh always because well, there's also like delight. there's all this these are all these plans and like none of them. Oh, are... and, and then there's like a then there's like a flying. I mean, it's not an alien, but they, they basically build a spaceship. Yeah, well, they have a spaceship that they because there's all these plans of defeat Godzilla. Like, one but that... this is where sorry to interrupt, but this is where like a more well planned movie would come out because and and actually they do this later in Godzilla movies where well that would be its own plot line. Like it would be like a plucky. A uh, pilot who's trying to get back at Godzilla, yeah. and then they're the one who flies the the spaceship. And but it, it's just a spaceship that like shoots missiles into his mouth. Yeah, and, um, and because like they also like they're <laughs> like, oh, we're gonna retrofit it with like these this, like a chemical that we use to like you know take down nuclear like reactor disasters and stuff. And right. no, it's like he's basically a living nuclear reactor. So if we just do that, it'll it'll stop his heart or something like that. Right. Uh, but then, but there's like so many plans, is just none of them are really that interesting. The only cool thing about that spaceship was when the building fell on top of it. Mm. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, because even like again, like you would think like it would kind of play into like because really like the thing is the spaceship or the 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 SpaceX or whatever it's called, um, it's just like it kind of succeeds for a little bit, then the EMP wakes Godzilla up, and then it just kind of fails. Like, you would also think that maybe, oh, someone goes rogue with it, and, like, oh, like, like we have to stop I this only, guy. I only kind of oh. like that because it was all, like, oh, like, it's just, like, the cyclical nature of, oh. univer- of not universal, of nuclear weapons. Like, even though we stopped the nuclear missile, it still woke up Godzilla. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's just, like, it's very simple. But then we got to talk about the star of the show, which is... Uh, the looter? Is he a looter? Yeah. Your favorite guy? Oh. Yeah, I've come almost forgot about this this man. 
there's this guy. <laughs> the Jar Jar. Yeah. Of, of Godzilla. <laughs> who's like looting around like a restaurant or something. And then like he sees Godzilla. Yeah. And yeah. he's just like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it, big boy? <laughs> he does. You come after me, big boy. Godzilla roll like roars at him from a window, and this guy's like, "Oh, what are you, a big hot shot? All of a sudden, ah, leave me alone!" <laughs> and then he does, and then so I just thought that was like a weird comedy beat yeah. that had nothing to do with anything. But then that guy comes back in the third act. Yeah, with, with like the sister and yeah. the journalist have like escaped the building. And he only kind of helps them escape, and. Then <laughs> then he does the same thing. Like I was like, "Yeah, you coming after me now?" Well, right after this amazing green screen shot of him running away from Godzilla with Godzilla in the background, it, you know what it looks like? It look because I thought he was going to get blown away. Yeah, because it's the shot that you've seen in a bunch of movies that they make fun of of like people running away from an explosion. Like right. it's like one of those. But then he just falls and he's like, oh, "What are you? What are you? Some kind of tough guy?" Uh, and then he just passes out and then he's and then that's it. And then I'm. It's I'm assuming he's dead. Yeah, I was like, did he die? I, yeah, I like, turned to yeah, Nick. Yeah, so like, <laughs> yeah, I turned to Nick. I was like, did, did he die? Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's just this movie's nothing special. No, it's it not. Really, it's, it's not a great movie. Because even anything that it does good... The original Fifty Four Godzilla does better, and I'm and you know we're we we're not people that are opposed to remakes or sequels. No, no, not at like, all. We're, we're, no, we're do, again, we're I doing a Godzilla podcast for God's sake. We're not against these things. I will go back and to say that Shin Godzilla is a remake of Gojira, and really is a remake of this movie, and is and I think is a great movie. Yeah, but um, it's just like it's just at some points it was just boring. Yeah. That, that, that's much, at some point, it was I just like if, I wanted it to just move on and do something interesting. Yeah, I don't know if I disliked it as much as you, but it, I, I mean, this is kind of like lower mid tier. I mean, me. the, the thing is, it's like it's I I, I I am saying a lot against it, but again, it's not necessarily that it's bad. Like again, I think part of this just comes from that we're watching all these in order, right? And and I think that if you did show this to just somebody who wasn't that familiar with Godzilla movies, it would be fine. I don't think it's the best thing you can show, but I do think it's just something like, if you showed this to somebody and just said like, oh, this was just like an 80s remake of the original Godzilla and that's all you gave to them, I think it would go over fine. Yeah, I mean, like, but that's kind of what I was hinting at before. I mean, like, this is kind of like... I mean, technically, I mean, yeah, it's everything that you kind of know about Godzilla. Yeah. But, I mean, but this is kind of gets back to what we're talking about. Like, a lot of these movies comes down to craft a lot of the times. Yeah. And, you know, the craft of this movie is admirable, and it's more so, like, interesting just from, like, a a Mm movie-making perspective. But it's also not – it's not really inventive. It's not really all that special. Um, I I don't want to say special, but – like it's it's interesting too, just from my perspective, that I I like again I don't know where the franchise is going. You don't have to tell me anything, but I wonder how many more movies we'll see like that has Godzilla as like a pure destructor. You're right because I do find it like I did really enjoy kind of the buildup of Godzilla as kind of this heroic figure mm-hmm. that you know, and, and there were some of them where it's like you know obviously towards the end of the show era he was like distinctly like oh he's a hero, but even some of those like middle Godzilla films where it's like he's still a destructive force, but at the end of the day like he will yeah, like you know um, he, he kind of you know the he only becomes reason, an anti-hero to an extent. There's so many of these movies that we'll have to do that I'll just kind of say this. Um, I don't. It never gets quite to the Showa level of it. 
Yeah. Um, in terms of like he's a he's the the savior of the day. Like it's ne- it's never like that, but. There's some there's some wrinkles to it is what I will say and and because I'm just I'm 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 and I think I am more interested in him fighting monsters. Well, here's the thing, and this kind of goes into us kind of like wrapping up the uh, and talking about the aftermath a little bit is a little bit about the legacy of this movie and one of the reasons I didn't want to dive deep into the Hasty era like all that much is because this technically is part of the Hacy era, like I said, but it doesn't demonstrate any of like, you know, I'll give a little bit of a hint. Like the Hacy era has my favorite design of Godzilla. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know, it's, you know, it's called, you know, a little bit of a spoiler for the future. It's called the versus era for a reason, yeah. um, you know, and there's a lot of kind of like weird inventive stuff that they do. Um, and nope. then even, even effects wise, I mean, there's a big kind of like shift in effects that they were like, that they did to, you know, make those movies pop as much as they could. Um, and this is, like, proto that. Okay. Like, you know... It, it, I can... And then, you know, I just... But, like, but but I what I mean, I'm not saying that in favor of this movie. It's, like, I, when I was watching this movie, it was almost like, oh, I, I saw before my eyes why this movie is the forgotten yeah. Godzilla movie. Because as you move on and you will see the rest of these movies... Like this one is easily forgotten mm. because it's it's kind of like one of those. It's not you. You know, in in many ways, you know what this movie is kind of like. It's kind of like the Incredible Hulk in the MCU. You know what? Yeah, I can kind of <laughs> see that. Yeah, I can. I can. I can see that. It, it, it's kind of like that in that you know, and even though I like the Incredible Hulk, but it's so just in a grand scale, it's so unlike the other ones um, that like it's you know. You don't even consider it part of the, the mm-hmm. collection. Okay. Uh, but it is part of the collection. Um, so, so we do have to talk about the aftermath. So let's talk about the aftermath of this movie. Um, Nick uh, is a little bit a little bit more down on the movie. I completely understand it. I'm not completely down there, but I can wave at him from the corner. That's how close I am to his opinion. Um, so movie comes out, and the film was met with a mixed reaction. <laughs> Uh, on, on both shores, or is it between like- domestic and international releases? So let's talk about the international release, because uh, remember the international release saw that American Raymond Burr version. Yeah. Um, so the film was re- re- ah, re- excuse me. The film was released in the states in 1985, and uh, did not receive strong reviews with critics uh, such as from the New York Times, as well as famous critics uh, Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel. Uh, Siskel, uh, in particular, uh, quoted the movie as dull. Um, just really wasn't favored in any sense of the word. Yeah. Uh, there have been some retrospective reviews that are a little bit more favorable to the Japanese version, because as I said, only anybody saw the American version. But like I said, overall, the movie, I mean, even when people talk about the movie, it's not highly regarded in the canon. It's not remembered in the canon. There's some people who kind of like it for some of the reasons I said that I find it interesting, like, oh, like the models and like it's Godzilla destroying and it's not him fighting another thing. I'm at my fandom where it's like, oh, I kind of like that stuff in terms of, oh, it's there, but I'm not going to, it's not, it. and sometimes it is enough for me to give a pass to a movie. It's not enough in this movie to, to give a pass to the movie. Um, <clears throat> uh, but, so, despite reviews, how did the movie do in the box office? It did not do well at the box office. Uh, so, this movie performed, uh, this Nah. This movie didn't do well at the box office, and um, in, in fact, it was even dwarfed in a summer of other released American films such as Goonies, Rambo 2, and 
Back to the Future. Well, Rambo 2 First Blood. Yeah. I actually looked that up because I was like, because it, it said Rambo First Blood Part 2. And I was like, what was the first one called? First Blood? I've never seen Rambo. No. Um, so um, actually related to the podcast, A View to a Kill also came out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, unrelated to the podcast, uh, Reanimator also came out this year. Yeah. Um, everybody go see Reanimator. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the poor box office put an end to Toho's, uh, to Toho's Godzilla films getting theatrical releases in America. Uh, and this would be a trend of no theatrically released Godzilla films until the year 2000. Mm. You know what? I can tell you why this film did not succeed in America. Oh, no. It's not in 3D. It wasn't in 3D. It wasn't in 3D. It didn't have Harrison Ford. No, it did not. Who would have been him? Oh, in this movie? Yeah, just make it Raymond Burr's character. <laughs> he just goes, I remember Godzilla. <laughs> he, or that, I mean, he obviously he's the American president that... You know, oh that, yes that said oh yeah no use the nukes use the nukes against this no giant. no no no. who he he should be the american military officer that raymond burr talks to like because right. you know raymond burr comes yeah. in he's like i've seen this before what are you talking about like, <laughs> that, that yeah. would be like in the in the in the in the um harrison ford's character like the military guy is completely convinced like we gotta use nukes on this thing and raymond <laughs> burr's like that's not gonna work buddy that's not gonna work i've seen this thing before it's not gonna work um I mean, that's kind of essentially, I know we haven't seen it, but that is what he does throughout the whole movie <laughs> yeah. in the American version where he's like, I don't know. I don't think that we tried this before. Um, so on the Japanese side of things, uh, the film was much more of a success, but a modest success. Made, made money. People seemed to like it, but it ultimately wasn't the huge hit. Toho was... Uh, didn't do gangbusters. Yeah. Oh, no. 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 Or um, didn't do ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> um. So despite a little bit of disappointment on that end, Toho did at least feel comfortable that Godzilla was a franchise that would bring in some money domestically and uh, decided, you know, let's uh, keep this franchise um, alive and well. And Tanaka was right to bring it back. We didn't really hit it out of the park this time around, but, you know, we feel comfortable. Excuse me. We feel comfortable that we can move on uh, with this. Um, Some last minute things. Hashimoto, the director. Um, he went on to ensure his placement in Toho uh, by becoming a producer for them, uh, because despite you know some favorable responses uh, to the movie, um, he was not convinced that it was enough, especially within this economic climate or the economic climate at the time, that uh, Toho would renew his contract, his directorial contract when it came uh, due. So he's like, ah, oh, let me uh, hop on as a producer for Toho, and then kind of managed to get into the company that way and uh, stayed on there um until he passed in 2005 i don't know if he was on there in toho all the way until then but um he definitely got a chance to produce some later heisei era um films and produced the entire rebirth of mothra trilogy um so that's he and uh and ever since then dr pepper has still gone on to be a soda (laughs) (laughs) all right um what have we learned nick today Thank you, everybody, for bearing with me on this one. Obviously, this was the one Godzilla film in which... And it's interesting because here on out is when the history of Godzilla being... Of the production and what's going on with Godzilla is a little bit more Mm well-documented than it had been before. Because there's a little bit more eyes on it than there had ever been. Yeah. Um, Because also remember, in America... 
people looked at Godzilla like it was dumb. Yeah. Like in general, but it was niche enough and popular enough that you could still market it. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it didn't deliver um, that well of a movie. But like I said, the most interesting stuff about this is looking again at that cyclical nature of development trends as well as, uh, you know, cultural uh, yeah. influences and the trends that come out of that was yeah. the most interesting thing to me. Yeah. And also reboots, they can't all be winners. <laughs> but some of them are good. Yeah, no, no, not this one. no, no, they, no, they cannot. Um, you know, it's it, it is also interesting because in many ways, even though we like this movie, it kind of seems like a similar response, in large to how some people felt about the 2014 Godzilla, yeah. where it's like, oh, it's cool to see Godzilla, but we didn't love the movie. But we like Godzilla. Oh, and I, I mean, the people in this podcast really like that movie. Yeah, I really like. I that do movie. too. But it's just interesting, like that. Again, repeating nature, repeating itself. Yeah. All right, so I guess it's time to yes move on. Um, so where are we going next time on the Godzilla side? Of so this? Nick, we are seeing the dawn of a new era, the versus era, the Hasty era, and uh, it's time for Godzilla to fight. You like a good Godzilla fight? Yeah, Nick. We've seen Godzilla fight robots. Mm-hmm. We've seen him fight insects. We've seen him fight pterodactyls, moths, and three-headed dragons, but. Have you ever seen him fight a plant? Well, you are about to in Godzilla versus Biolanti. Which is one of the few... You've seen this one. I've seen this one. Yeah. Will showed me this one. But I'm sure we, we, I'm we sh- should refresh your memory. I'm sure I need it. a refreshed memory. I am really looking forward to the rest of these movies. It's going to be a, a, a fun next couple months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but next time is not a Godzilla episode. It's a Bond episode. Nick, what do we got in store? So when we left the Bond series, it was kind of in you know a bit of a flux, you know... Things were, were not doing too well. You know, legal drama again. Dalton's leaving. What could what could possibly happen? Uh, so we're going to be taking a look at another new era. We're going to be taking a look at the beginning of the Brosnan era. And I think there is a lot to talk about with Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Nick, uh, I hope this was uh, interesting uh, oh, no, for you. It's, it's, it's all my favorite stuff about doing this podcast. It's the history. It's... It's all that stuff. It's great. You know, to play us out, Nick, uh, there was one little treat that I know that you were fond of. Oh, the thing we didn't... Is, it, is this the song? This is known as the Godzilla love theme. Uh, theme and I think I'm going to play us out with it. Uh, yeah. This would be our... If there was a Bond song yeah. for Godzilla. Well, you say Godzilla, Godzilla love theme. It's like the theme from Titanic, but just Godzilla eyes a little bit. A little bit. But anyway, we're going to play this out for you guys. As we, as we do some last minute plugs... Oh, yeah, you got to do plugs. All right, I'll do them quickly. BonzillaPod, yeah. gmail.com, email. Twitter.com slash Bonzilla007. Facebook.com slash Bonzilla007. SoundCloud.com slash Bonzilla007. Like and subscribe. iTunes, SoundCloud. It's time to go. All right, Nick. I uh, had a good time. We're done. It's we're, over. We're now done. enjoy the song. <laughs>